Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaith. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you would like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to check out our website at www.churchofvictoria.com. If you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe to the channel so you get notified every time we upload a video. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share, and that really helps us out. And if this ministry has blessed you in any way, please feel free to partner with us, join with us. You can head over to churchofvictoria.com and there'll be a donate button there at the top of the screen. And we'll use anything you give us uh, to spread the gospel. Absolutely. All right. What we're we're about doing. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we are in Genesis chapter 44. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. You want to? Yep. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study together tonight. We thank you for our audience and those who will be watching uh, over the coming weeks. And we pray, Father, your blessings upon them and their families. And if there's anything that we can do to help and anything, anything they need, I pray, Father, to give us, the, give us an opportunity to help them, Father. We pray that this study will help and will be a benefit and a blessing to them and uh, that it will, uh, it will help them to draw closer to you. And that's our goal, Father, is to get folks closer to you and closer to what you'd have them to be doing in their lives. Bless us, Father, tonight, and bless us in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 44. We left off last week in 43. Um, if you recall, they, they came back to Egypt. They, they ran out of food. They came back to Egypt. They thought they were going to be in trouble. Yeah, they left Simeon there. The whole time they were eating their food, That's right. they left him in jail. Yeah, they just... Isn't that something, man? Yeah, they just... <laughs> left, him, left him in jail. <laughs> left left him there to rot. Yeah, they didn't, they, like, they didn't care. They just, they eating and they have... Of course, he tells them, you got if you come back, you got to bring your little brother. Right, right. Don't yes. come back unless you yes. bring your little brother. Well, yep. God, Jacob's not going to let him take the little brother. Yes. And so, so, it's not, so Simeon it, just has to sit there. You know, is it really their fault then at that point? I mean, Jacob's kind of the patriarch of the family. I understand, but Simeon's in jail. That's right. Yeah. Jacob, oh, come on, Jacob man. didn't seem to mind. Well, Jacob didn't seem to mind. I bet you Simeon minds. I bet you Simeon did mind. Simeon probably didn't I bet like you it. wondered when are they coming back. He probably knows they're not coming back for a while. They're going to eat all that grain first <laughs> before they come back. He probably figures. It doesn't tell us how long it lasted either. No, it doesn't. We know, we know it had to have been less than two years because when they come back. They left him in jail. No, no, no. It had to have been less than two years. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But, but I mean, what did it take them six months to eat all that grain? Well, it says, J Judah says, right, it, we could have gone and come back twice already. So, yeah, so you know, let's say three like? months, four months, let's you say. Know, it depends on how long it took them to, took them to go I back don't know. and forth. I don't know. Simeon's still in jail. But Simeon's in jail the entire yeah. time. Yes, you're absolutely oh, right. Man. Simeon is in jail. Doesn't um, seem like they have much value for each other. Doesn't seem like. Well, you know... We've seen that. We've I know, seen we, that throughout we, this year. We're going to navigate this again right, yeah. we, about families and how they operated. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it with Jacob and Esau. We've seen it yeah, with yeah. you know, uh, yeah. We've seen it with that family. It just, it just, it just seemed, you know. Now I told my boys, you know, I said, you know, get thrown in jail, don't call me. I'm coming to get you. Well, see, there you go. So you should be able to identify greatly. <laughs> I, ought to, I ought to really relate then, huh? Yes, you should. <laughs> yes, you should be able to relate to Jacob's Jacob's yeah. concern there. Um, you know, looking through this story, though, I think, I, you know, it just it, it boggles my mind. How important is it for us if we're going to faithfully carry out the plan of God, right? Because that's what that's what Joseph is doing in this text, you know, is because of his dreams. He says he remembered his dreams, mm -hmm. and we know that God has been showing him what's going to happen. So for Joseph to faithfully carry out the plan of God, for us to faithfully carry out the plan of God, how important is it for us to practice 
mercy and forgiveness. Well, I think, I think it's a, it's a, it, it's that's what Jesus called it to. You know, to he if he showered us with mercy, he said, "Blessed are the merciful," right? Mm-hmm. And I think that if we are are practicing forgiveness, where we forgive each other, uh, that's what Christian brothers and sisters are to do. When we find out we have a problem with each other, we're supposed to go to them and say, "Hey, let's get this straightened out." You know, and I think it's extremely important. How how in the world can we can we can we connect ourselves to God? I I, I studied with my Friday night class, and, and we talked about uh, what influences you. You know, what influences you in this world? Because, you know, and I asked him, I said, do you think we can change the world? And the answer was, no, we can't. We're not going to change the whole world. We can change the world of somebody, individual. We're not going to change the whole world. Jesus couldn't do that. He didn't get it done either. I'm just, you know, we, we listen to the influencers in our lives, and Many times there are people who are who got an axe to grind. They got a they got an agenda. I don't know. I would I would I mean I agree with you. I agree with with some of what you're saying there. But saying that Jesus didn't change the world, I would no 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 no. When he had when he had access to people, even the people he had access to three thousand. I mean four thousand five thousand. At the end of the day, they're the ones that turned on him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now he did change the world from that perspective. From okay. from a spiritual perspective, he did. Okay. But. When you look at all the people, even all the the people we come in contact with, mm-hmm. we're not going to change all of them. We're not. We can present Jesus to them. They're not all going to listen. So when you look at the world as a whole, you know we can spend all the money in the world. They're still going to be evil people. Always was. Yep. They always will be. They're still going to be evil people. We're not going to be able to change them all. But you know, I think I think if we practice forgiveness and mercy, if we practice the the mindset that is that's shown here in this chapter, I think that that. Uh, I think that we'll change a lot of people. We'll influence a lot of people in a positive way. I think we will do that, and I think that's the first step to bringing them to Christ. Because if we're not if we're not being Christ-like, they are not going to want to hear anything we have to say. Hmm. Okay, Absolutely. and then we have no shot at changing their lives or bringing them to the one that can change their life. We have no shot. If right. we're going to be a if we're going to be an evangelistic outreach type church then we have got to practice these things in our lives because we have to understand we're going to influence people. Good and bad, we're going to influence them. And if we're going to influence them, like I said, we're not going to change them all. But we're going to see them the way God sees them. We're going to see them as lost. And some of them, some of them, some have watched our this thing and they have called and responded to us. Right. Mm-hmm. We have had studies. You, you've had a couple of studies already. Mm-hmm. We've had studies that we've had. People have have lately have have directly been impacted by this study or Friday night. I mean, or or, or Sunday morning class or, or preaching on Sunday morning, whatever. They've been influenced by something. We're not going to change them all. I think it's I think it's really. A, a, I mean, it, I think it's ignorant for us to think that we're going to change all of them. Right. We'll change some. Well, and it's it's really. But we'll God. change none if we don't practice those those traits. I, well, I mean, I, I don't disagree. If we don't if we don't practice what we're preaching, I mean, we might. It's as well like just you said the preach. other day. Got banners hanging on the wall, and I said that in my class. I don't care what those banners say. It really doesn't matter. If we're not doing what they say, then what difference does it make? It's just right. words on a banner on a wall. We have to be doing. If we're doing what they're saying, then it, it we can say we are God's heart and God's hand in this world and beyond. 
We can say that. Right. But if we're not doing it, it's pretty arrogant to say it when we're not doing it. Well, and it makes all the difference in the world when we do it. And that's what we're seeing with Joseph. We're seeing Absolutely. a man who who is walking with God in the midst of this struggle and difficulty, I think. Um, and he's know, done it ever since the beginning. That's right. He's done it, you know, no matter. And, and that's why we look at him and we say, you know, he's a type of Christ. Yes. That's why we look at him and we say, look, we can see Christ in this. Um, and you'll see in this chapter, you'll see one of the sons make that that turn to sure. and become a type of Christ. Uh, in the seed line of Christ, really, Judah, he will he will make that turn as we get later on in this chapter. Well, let's jump into it. So we're okay. in chapter 44. We're going to start in verse 1. Now, Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. Mm. And he did as Joseph said. In verse 3, as morning dawned, the men... So Joseph is setting them up again. Yeah. He's yeah. setting them up again. Mm-hmm. All right. Verse 3, as morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. Uh, I'm going to stop right. You know, we, we quite, why Joseph do all of this stuff? Uh, there, there can be, people can question us why we do certain things. And, and, you know, I think godly men, godly people, godly women, I think there's sometimes they do things that they know is what God's calling them to do, and it makes no sense to an outside world. Hmm. Makes no sense why they're doing it. But we know, you know, Joseph has been having dreams that we know about. What about the dreams he had we don't know about? Mm. What about the ones that he's had that God has been, it's been between him and God? Mm. And God's told him what to do, something. And so he's done some of this stuff. You know, he's not, not setting up to hurt them. He's not, he's not manipulating the situation to hurt them. He's manipulating the situation to get his family back together and to perpetuate God's plan. That's right. That's what he's doing. And I think he knows exactly what God wants. And I think he's doing exactly what God wants him to do. Then when So when we do it, we'll do it from time to time. And people will say, well, you're manipulating. Well, maybe so. But we're doing it because this is what God has called us to. And we're doing what God has called us to from the book. And if you don't know what the book says, well, then you won't know. Mm-hmm. You won't know. Well, if you don't have the same dreams as Joseph had, you won't know what God's telling him to do. That's right. So, you know. That's right. But anyway. So verse 3, As morning dawn, the men, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not got far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. So if you're the steward, think about it from the steward's perspective can, for a can, second. Can you confuse? It, wouldn't it be confusing? I mean... Because they don't know who these guys are. Joseph ain't told them. You know, it's 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 got to be, it's got to be a strange, a whole strange little boat there. Excuse me. Verse six. When the steward caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, "Why does my lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that." You know, imagine for a second they're heading out. You know, they approach Joseph's door and they thought, "We're done, right? Mm-hmm. Where this guy is gonna." take us into slavery and all these things. Mm-hmm. We better tell him we have the money. You know, we don't know how we ended up with it, but we better tell him right off the bat. They tell him, and oh, no, no, your God was just blessing you. They eat, they feast, they leave. You got you to gotta think their reaction was, we made it. Mm-hmm. And then at what point did they see the steward 
coming to catch up with them. And then they lay, he lays these charges at their feet. And you know these guys are thinking, no way. There's no way. <laughs> right? What I want to know is, where's the silver they're supposed to have stolen? How'd they find it? What, they, what, they cracked the safe? I mean, did he, have it laid out on a, did he have it laid out on the table? I mean, did he have it laid up just beckoning to them to steal it? I mean, did he, I, you know, it doesn't make any sense because I'm looking at it from a 20th century perspective or 21st century perspective, you know, and uh, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, my God. Excuse me. Fully ons tonight. All right, verse 8. We even brought back to you uh, from the land of Canaan, so this is their defense, the silver we found inside the mouths of our sack. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your uh, your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Immediately, first thing that comes to my mind when I read that, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Stop making vows. Yeah, yeah. Stop it. Let your yes be no, yes, and your no be no. Quit, stop, quit, quit. Stop already. You guys yep. are bad at it. Stop it. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what we see here. So he makes this vow because they, in their mind, they just cannot conceive that this would even be possible, that it would even be possible. And they're about to open their sacks and have their world rocked. <laughs> yeah, they you are. Know? So let your yes be yes and your no be no. And, and church, this applies to us even today. Even today. Mm -hmm. You don't need to say, you don't need to, you don't, you're in a situation, you don't need to compound your, well, I would never do this or I will never do just. Stop with the excess. That's what these vows are really about. They're about excess. Mm -hmm. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. You don't need to speak to the excess. Just say what it is and go on. Yep. How much how much trouble can we get in when we start saying things? Oh, well, I would never. We can't even see what's tomorrow. Yeah. How are we going to say yep. what we would or yep. wouldn't do in the future? All right. Verse eight. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver right. We read that. Verse nine is, is where they make the, the declaration. Verse 10, very well then, the steward says, let it be as you say. Whoever, notice how quick he was to jump on that. Oh, okay, yeah, exactly what you said right there, yeah. Let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. So each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it, right? Because you you know you didn't do anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So they're, they're popping open their bags. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yep. In verse 13, at this, they tore their clothes. They all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. That must have been a very awkward ride. A scary ride. They I don't mean, know anything yet. They don't. And, you know, they've got to be looking at Benjamin. And you yep. know one of their brothers, you know they're sitting there talking about it. When did he do this? He was with us the whole time. You think Judah let this kid, Judah has put himself on the line. He told Jacob, he said, if anything happens to this kid, it's on me, right? I will forever bear the blame, okay? So you think Judah's letting this boy out of his sight? My cousin took me to Mexico once, and uh, yeah, he never let me get more than a foot away from him. You know, the this is a foreign land. This is a strange land for them. You're not letting, you know, you're, I mean, we, we have, as people, as humans, we have a difficult time getting along with people who look or act or speak differently than we do. We have, I mean, this just, we have a difficult time with that. When you're in a foreign country, it's, you know, it really blows up in your face and it can be dangerous. They, you, Judah wouldn't let him out of sight. So, you know, they got to be thinking, what, what, what? 
How did this even happen? You know, yeah. that's got to be what they're thinking right now because there's just no way, no way Judah makes a play well, like that. Well, their, their decision is going to be, we've been found out. Well, and let's, get, so let's get into what it. We did. You know, that has never gone away for them. That idea of them of them torching their brother. Has never they've been away. and they've been really talking about that ever since. Yeah. Ever since they first got caught, immediately that's exactly where they jumped yeah. in the text. Mm-hmm. They jumped over right, right to the. Oh They're my gosh! Do the same thing caught. again. They're going to do it Here again. It's going to be again. Let's look at verse fourteen. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, "What is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination?" What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who is found to have the cup. But Joseph said, far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who is found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. So what is Joseph doing here? Well, I I think he's doing a couple of things. He knows because of his dreams, he's got to get Jacob here. And the only way to get Jacob here is to keep Benjamin. Mm-hmm. He kept Simeon. And he didn't come. And they ran out of food before they came. Right? And, he, and daddy didn't come. And dad didn't come. No. If he wants the dad to come, if he wants the rest of the family to come, this is the one he's got to hold on Why to. Why don't you just tell him who he is? Why don't you just tell him who he is? You know... I'm wondering if he if he can tr- if he feels like he can trust them. Maybe he thinks this is the best way. Well, I mean, I don't I don't say maybe. He thinks this is the best way to accomplish the goal. Because we know he's not out for blood here. He's no, not out for no, revenge. He's not. He's, he's the not. second most powerful man in Egypt. He could just throw them in prison. Yeah. He could just say, and yeah. they'd be there forever. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. you're spies in the land. Go to jail. You know, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And there's nothing they can do about it. They're done. They're cooked. He's the second most powerful man in Egypt. But remember, he knows what happened that day. Sure. He remembers what happened. He remembers who was involved and who was the... Who was the he knows that... that uh, who was it? Reuben mm-hmm. is the one that said, don't kill this kid. That's right. He knows that Judah stood up and said, let's just throw him in there and kill him. Just get rid of him. Let's kill him. That's what, he knows that. You know, is he waiting for these guys... To, not to punish them, but he, is he waiting for something? I don't know. I, I think, I don't think. I What's going on? Jacob or Joseph is trying to get the rest of the family down here. And he's going to take every step that he thinks is right. He's going he's gonna to go, he's going to use everything he can to get Jacob to come on down. And he thinks this is the best way to go about it. And so that's what he's doing. I also think this whole time God is working on these brothers. I think you're, I think that part is absolutely true. I think there's a lot of times we don't know what God's plan is. We have no idea. We we can, you know, we know from Romans chapter 12, it says we can be able to test and prove what God's will is, good, pleasing, perfect will, if we don't be if we don't conform, if we transform. So as we start to transform our minds mm-hmm. by by study of the word, letting God in, instill in us understanding and wisdom, well, when we start to do that, then we then we'll start to be able to see from a godly perspective that no other people can't see it from. Well, and you know, we know what God's will is. God is what God is doing. He's he's doing it all the time, right? He's seeking and saving the lost. He's seeking to mature his church and he's seeking to be glorified. These are three things that the scriptures constantly expound Absolutely. that God is doing. Absolutely. So we know that God is doing that, but how 
is he doing it? Mm-hmm. And that's the part where there can be e- very easily disconnects. Sure it can. You know, we can sure. think, well, we know God wants to seek and save the lost. So, I, you know, I'm just going to keep my eyes peeled for the people that God is going to put in my life that I'm supposed to be not only teaching or showing or talking to about, right, but I'm also supposed to be living out the mm-hmm. gospel in these people's presence. And that's the whole point. I would say as a Christian, if God has someone in your life, there's a reason for it. And, and I think something else, too, is I think, you know, Joseph at some points, he, he's in here very shortly, he's going to forgive. I mean, he's going to, he's not, he's going he's to tell him, man, God had this plan all along. Right. God did this. You didn't do anything. God did this. Correct. God knew what he was doing. Absolutely. And and I think, I think we need to get to a point where we don't hold on to that stuff in our lives that, that just eat on us. Because there's things in all of our lives that we've done or didn't do, things that we, that we were involved in back in the day that that we uh, that we're looking at constantly, looking at that God is gonna, he God must be God is gonna go punish us for this, because I would punish me for this. Well, I think okay, I gotta stop saying I think. <laughs> um, we as a guilt innocent culture are absolutely infatuated with our own guilt and our own shame. Mm-hmm. God isn't. I, I know that, and I, that we have to wrap our minds around that because. What happens if Joseph is sitting here wrapped up in something his brothers did to him, or maybe he could have done differently years, 25 years from ago. 25 years yep. ago? He totally forgets about the dreams. He totally, I mean, he, and is he even a fit servant for God at that point? Because he's so wrapped up in something that was done to him or something that he did. The I think that's a good point because we can get to a point where we're not fit because we, because we won't listen because we're so consumed with the other. Well, because we're so consumed with either our guilt, our shame over something we've done, or frustration, anger, rage over something that was done to us. And we let those things influence us instead of the right things. And then the next thing you know, instead of us walking into work, thinking about, okay, you know, I know I know my coworker doesn't have a relationship with God. What does God expect what what does God expect me to do with my coworker? But we're making this other one and we can't focus on We're so that. twisted up on something else. Yeah. Whether it be something we did or something we said. Yeah. We totally lose focus that, hey, God right. has a mission in, in plan here. You know, it's it's so important to remember that Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood for our sins. Yeah. Not just the sins we committed in the past, but even the sins that we'll commit in the future. And I'm not saying that it's okay to, to not, it's okay to sin. That's not what I'm saying. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying no, at all. Don't sin. It's very important that we don't sin. But remember, when you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. And so... And we should Repent. be striving. We should be striving to not sin. Of course we should. Mm-hmm. But we cannot get so wrapped up in something that God has already taken care of. Yeah. Look, God had a choice. He could have just snapped his fingers and been done. Why deal with and these start people? Over. Think yeah. about it. Think about it. why deal with these people? Have you have y'all been here? Have you read this? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean we, we've told you how many times these are flawed individuals. You know, why deal with these people? Why deal with me? Why yeah. deal with you? Yeah. God could have snapped his finger. He didn't even snap his finger. He could have just said, we're done. World gone. People gone. All creation gone. That's Start not over. what he did. Start over. Yeah. But that's not what he did. No. No, he, he could have done it right in the garden with Adam and Eve. You know, if you eat of this fruit, you'll surely die. And and then Eve and Adam are like, well, but really? Like, are you sure? God could have been like, are you serious? I just told you. You know, we're done. You, you, y'all didn't work out. It's okay. Thank you very much. We're going to try again later. You know, could have just been done with it right there. Didn't even have to wait until Noah showed up. Yeah. Didn't have to wait, but he did. Stop beating yourself up for your sin. Stop it. 
Stop it. Stop it. God loves you. I know he loves you because you're still here. Yeah. If he didn't want yeah. you here, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. We need to turn. We need to open our eyes and see the people around us. That's right. We need to see what God is doing in, in, all around us all and, the time. And, and, you know, Cole, there's so many great examples here that yeah. we've seen of God, of God doing. And here, this chapter, th- what a great example that, that Joseph is. Oh, you know, Absolutely. and what he's going to be in the next couple of chapters. And the great example of Judah, what's kind of fixing to happen now. I mean, what, look at what's going to happen in the next couple of verses, what he's going to do. I mean, it, 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 this is the kid that, that he, he's going to transform himself. In this one moment, he's, going, oh, he's already told his father, I will stand guilty for this boy if anything happens to him. So you know he was watching him like a hawk. He was watching him to make sure he didn't do anything. And so he's like, I don't understand how this happened. I don't understand, but it's not gonna. He's not gonna focus on that. He's gonna focus on, you know what? I gotta step up and be the man here and do what's necessary to be done. And that's what he's gonna do. Let's get there. So in verse 16, 18, excuse me. Then Judah went up to him and said, "Pardon your servant, my lord. Let me speak a word to my lord. Do not be angry with your servant." So jo- Joseph has put it on the table. You guys can walk away and leave Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's probably sounding pretty familiar to these these guys, isn't yeah. it? Wow, that's ex- almost exactly what they did with Joseph, isn't it? They got they just walked away and left him. So here's Joseph offering them the exact same choice. Mm-hmm. And Judah says, no, let's go talk about it. So he, he, my Lord asked his servants, do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, we have an aged father, and there's a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he's the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. Then our father said, go back and buy a little more food. But we said, we cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us, will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said, he has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now, if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our, uh, your, your servants, he's talking about him and his brothers, will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Verse 33 is the appeal. Yeah. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. He's seen it before. He has. He's the one, I went back and read it while you were reading. He's the one that said, guys, let's don't kill this kid. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let's sell him off. And so they, so, so Reuben is, I mean, Judah's the one that said, let's sell him. We're not going to kill him. But he's seen the anguish because what was the story they concocted? That he was torn to pieces. That he was torn to pieces. Here's his robe. See, he's got blood on it. You know, there's no DNA test. They can't tell. We said this before. They can't tell whose blood it was. They, his daddy assumes it's his, his, his son. His son's gone. Mm-hmm. His son's not coming back. You know, think he doesn't stand outside waiting and longing, seeing maybe his son, maybe they could, didn't find the body. Maybe he's still alive. Maybe he's crawling home. 
Yeah, and but but Judah knows. And Judah's saying, I can't go through that again. I can't watch the agony again. So I know what I'll do. I'll take his place. He will not feel that way if I'm gone. Joseph knows his dreams. He's doing everything he can to get the father to come. Yeah. Yep. God is using what Joseph is doing to bring these sons to repentance. Think think about and I think you're right. Think about what Judah has just become. You we've said that, that Joseph is a type of Christ. Absolutely. So is Judah here. Absolutely. He t- said, I will take it, I will take his punishment, let him go. That's what Jesus said, did on the cross. He said, Father, let me take their punishment, let them go. It's it's eerie, man. You know, what I mean, we have a we have a we have a Judah, a the lion of Judah is what the scriptures call him, that was willing to empty himself of himself, go to a cross, dive in my place so that I so that I could go free. Man, you know what that response what response should come from that? I want to do everything I can do for him. I want to live for him. I want to serve him. I want to suffer for him. I'll do any whatever. Paul figured that out when he realized that he was he, that he was alive again. He knew he was dead. And he said, this is the Messiah. What did the Samaritan woman do in John chapter 4? <laughs> she said, now I know that you are the Messiah. That's right. And all he did was tell her that she had four, five husbands or four guys, husbands and another, another guy that she's living with. And then, the, and then the whole town, it says, came out. He stayed with them two days. And they said, we don't now, we don't believe that he's the Messiah because of you. We be- believe it because we believe him. That's right. You know, this is the, this is, a type of Christ, you know. I think that that the the agony that Judah felt over his father the first time. Can you imagine how he must have felt? Hmm. You know, when he, when they brought the news back and saw the torment, you know, in his, you know, you've seen you've seen family. You know, you were a paramedic. Did you see family members that lost children or lost family members, and and saw the you know the uh, you know in a wreck or something, and 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 saw no the anguish. I mean, I've I've seen families lose family members, but I was very blessed to never have to see a family deal with the loss of their child. Um, well, just a family member. Let's say a family member. I mean, sure. I mean, somebody in the car dies, the other one doesn't. The other one's coherent enough to know that that one's dead. It's a family member. It's a brother or sister or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and just the agony in there. Oh yes. Oh yes. You know, I mean, I've exp- I've seen that. I've seen the agony that that happens in people's lives because of the loss in their lives. You know, you stand, you you go to a funeral home, and you see, you see a, a the anguish in a woman's life because she's lost her soulmate. Her soulmate's gone, and she's just in agony. And and Judah saw that in her in his in his father when Joseph was gone. Joseph, he loved Joseph. You know, he loved that boy. Now at Benjamin, son of my right hand, Ben Benoni, son of my right hand is what he calls him, and uh, and he said. You know, Judas, I cannot let that happen again. Jesus said, I cannot let the destruction of life continue to happen. I've got to do something. And, you know, we talked about earlier, we talked about the importance of understanding that God has forgiven us and all of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, This is what 
any type, any feeling of guilt or shame. This is what it needs to produce in us. There's Absolutely. a reason we feel that way. Absolutely, it should produce in us repentance. That's what Judah really is doing. Yeah, he's he's repenting and he's mm-hmm. he's turning away from, from where he is. was. You've seen in that whole dialogue, that yeah, whole discourse. Absolutely, and so it's so important to understand: repent. Don't get bogged down in sin. Don't get bogged down thinking I can't get out of it or I'm, I'm stuck in it. I'm just going to continue. That's not true. Well, the world tells you that you're no good. The That's world right. tells you that God makes junk, that you're just, you're worthless, that, that you have no, no intrinsic value at all. That's what the world tells people. If we get wrapped up in that, then the, the plan of God in our lives and for our lives for the, the people that God wants us to interact with. He wants us, you know, spreading the gospel and teaching people about him and doing all of these things. We never do that if we're so wrapped up in things that were either done to us or, or things or the, that we've done to other people. Yeah. What we, was the first thing in Acts chapter 2 when he when Peter is getting up and preaching to those folks, the masses there, and there's there's lots of people there, and, and he's telling them this was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. This was the son of God, mm-hmm. and you put him on a cross, and you killed him. And it cuts them because they realize he's right. And they said, what can we do? And what's the first thing he says? Repent. Mm-hmm. Repent. Yes. It's the first. Repent means to stop doing what you were doing and start going another way. It means to turn around. Isn't it that what the word means? It literally means to turn around. To turn around and go the other That's what the word means. Yeah. He says, I, told, I used to tell the guys in jail. And they say, well, what does it mean? What does it really mean? I said, it means to stop doing what got you here, to stop living the life that got you here. That's what it means, basically, to turn around and go the other way. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. That's what he tells them. That's what he tells them. You know, I mean, it's a simple, you know, the book of Acts, all through the book of Acts. He tells them the same thing. I mean, tells these people, repent, be baptized, believe in God, confess him before men. You know, that's what he tells them. You know, so here, Judah, what's Judah doing? He's repenting. Absolutely. He's repenting and he's saying, you know what? I'm going to change my life and my life before I was arrogant, full of myself. And I said, let's sell this guy to this band of Ishmaelites. Ishmaelites. And he said, yeah, we'll be okay. Then he had to watch his father and the guilt ate him up. I bet it ate him up. Because here you start 20, 25 years later, he's, 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 he's groveling at Joseph's feet. He don't know who Joseph is. He has no idea. He said, I will take his place. Especially, you know, especially you know considering... Something cool? It means nothing if he knows who he is. Well, especially considering that Joseph's already given him the way out. He doesn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to do this. He could just head back home. Mm-hmm. He's already said, you know, I'll, no, it's okay. It's He's going to stay. He's the one who committed the crime. The rest of you go. And Judah's like, no, we're not. I'm, I can't do that. I cannot do that. I won't do that. I, I'm, I want to clarify something. I was just thinking about it. It does, it does matter. If he knows who it is, because I said it doesn't, even, it, you know, you know, because I think Judah would have repented anyway, and he would have been repenting for something else. He would have been saying, "Joseph, please forgive me," because that's what's going to happen in another chapter or two. And I think, I think the 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 idea of what's happened to, to him and what could happen to this boy, Judah said, "I can't let it happen." Again. I'm not gonna do it. Well, and in, in chapter forty-five. Um, it, it, it all kind of comes out. Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brother, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? It would seem like that would be an odd question to ask. 
considering the things that have been said. But I think he's just overwhelmed here. Yeah, he's overwhelmed. So. He's overcome. And, you know, especially with Jacob talking, or excuse me, Judah. There are too many J names in this Yeah, family. there he is. Yeah. Especially with Judah talking about how how his death, how Joseph's death has affected his father, how this thing with Benjamin is affecting his father. I think a lot, it's just too much. It's It's too much. And so Joseph just pours himself out. He can no longer contain himself. But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified. You think? At his presence. Oh, my God. You know, do you think they believed him at first? Um, when he starts talking to them in their own language, and they hear, you know, I, I've known my brother a long time, okay? Mm -hmm. And and I don't have to have a caller ID. As soon as my brother opens his mouth, I'll know who it is. I'll know by his voice. Now, they haven't heard him in a long time, but you know what? I bet you there was something about him they said, uh-oh. I thought there was something familiar about this guy, something I recognized. Now, you know, but but when you look at this, they said, you know, and they were terrified. I bet they, I bet they, what is he going to do? Oh, my gosh. All their fears have just popped up. Same as us. Absolutely. What's God going to do to me? I've had people ask me that. God, God can't love me. Look at what I've done. I've, I've had people sit across me and say, you know, and just weeping and say, God could never love me. Because of what I've done. You know, they, they are, they're terrified. So go, let's go on. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. How important is it for us to understand that there are two actors at work in action? What we intend and what God intends. So important for us to understand God's providential control. Yeah. Do Does that mean that my actions don't matter? No, of course my actions do matter. Mm -hmm. They do matter. But God is also in control. Yeah. And if I line myself up with what God says, my life will start to line up with with what he wants done. You know, it really, it really shocks me. It, it shocks me that people look at this and say, see, my actions don't matter. That's not at all true here. No. Look at look at how how much it has affected the brothers. Look at how much it has affected Jacob. There's a lot of bad going on here. But God can take that. He can take our mess-ups and our mistakes and turn them into something good. Oh, wow. He can and take other people. And that is a, that is truly is amazing that he can do that. God took the Israelites hate and desire to control and all of those things and he brought about the crucifixion of christ which reconciled the entire world to yeah, him yeah. god is a master mm -hmm. at taking your mess up your mistake or someone's mess up and someone's mistake yeah. and yeah. turning it for good we live in a broken fallen world yeah but our god is still in control he's still in authority and he he is a master at bringing glory to his name seeking and saving the lost and maturing his saints. He's a master at it. He does it all the time. But just because God is providentially in control doesn't mean that your actions don't matter. It doesn't mean that you just do whatever you want. I'm going to do whatever I want because God's going to do what he wants. That right there is not something you want to live in. No, it, and you know, it, the, it's going to take a while here and it does. It takes, we get down to it a little bit later. We probably won't get to it tonight, but we'll get, you know, it, it's a, you know, and maybe we ought to. Maybe we ought to just go ahead and read it. 
I want to I want to go over to Ephesians chapter one real quick. Okay. Uh, I, I want to look at this in Ephesians chapter one, um, and so it's talking about the the nature of the church in Ephesians chapter one, and and just God's glorious grace and how it's poured yeah. out after the church. And it says in verse 15, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of um, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory and inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same power as the mighty strength um, uh, dang, I started reading way too late. Hold on a second. Um, there we go. I'm sorry, I, I went too far down. In verse 11, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So look, it says in, it, it, his predestination there, right? Mm -hmm. So God is predestining things, right? That doesn't mean that he... But hold, the, on. Hey, no, hold on. Okay. Verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. When you believed, mm -hmm. your choice. Yeah. Does God predestine certain things? Does he have providential control absolutely. of certain things? Absolutely. He's God. He absolutely does. But you still have a choice. Yeah. When you hear the gospel. Yeah. And people take this text and say, you see, what's the difference? What point? Because God's already picked and not picked certain people. That's not what he's saying here. That's not what he's saying. His predestination was to predestine the church. He predestined the, 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 the family of God. He had already chose that. And he's using Joseph and his family. to. That's what it says over Absolutely. here. That's what it says. Absolutely. You know, if you go back over here and you look at, at uh, uh, chapter 45, it says, uh, if you get down some, Mm -hmm. uh, that he says, uh, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. You know, he, he said, I'm going to provide a remnant. I'm going to save a remnant. Well, what's that remnant for? For this over here. That's right. Judah's going to be a, a, a he's going to be a part of that. He's going to be a, a, a viable part because Jesus is going to come from his seed line. This, so he's saving a remnant way over here to get to here so that he can preach, so he can give Absolutely. me a choice. Verse 8, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Yeah. What a wonderful attitude. If he doesn't have this attitude, if he doesn't look, look at things from— And look at the power he has. Look, what did it say over here? You read too far, but look what, what did it say? He said that, it, that in order that you may know know the hope which is called—what uh, where, where was it? Uh that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Well, what's the power over here? He said— uh, he said he made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Man, what did Pharaoh tell him? He said, the only one you'll answer to is me. That's right. No one else. That's right. You'll have be second in command. God made this lowly Israelite. Well, what can he do with us? Hmm. Man, well. you know, Cole, think about it. <laughs> Just a few years ago, you were wallowing around on a, on a piece of asphalt trying to put a body back together. And God had better plans for you. He wanted you to put spiritual bodies back together. Isn't that amazing? You know, you asked, what what can he do for us? You know, looking at what he did for Joseph, what can he go do for us? I want to highly encourage you, church, if, if you haven't read Ephesians 1, or if it's been, a, it's been a hot minute since you've read Ephesians 1, I really want to encourage you to go back and read it. Um, 
What can he do for us? He can bless us in the heavenly realms, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. He gives uh, us you know, every spiritual blessing yeah. in Christ to be holy and blameless in his sight. Holy and blameless, church. Ex- excuse me, but 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 preacher, don't you know about, about the sin that I committed yesterday? Uh, 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 according to God, according to Paul in Ephesians, in God's sight, because of Christ, you are holy and blameless. If we believe in him and we come to him on his terms and, and are obedient to him, doing what he told, tells us. Adopted to sonship, forgiven, lavished with the rich, richness of God's grace. I'm just looking at Ephesians 1. Known, he made known to us the mystery of his will. He's brought unity to everything in heaven on earth under Christ. Chosen, predestined for the praise of his glory. It's it's awesome. What can he do for us? I mean, far surpassing. You know, the, the greatest thing that I feel that he did for me, he gave me the opportunity to believe. That's right. Gave me the He could have not, and he chose to give me the opportunity to believe. People say, why is there so much sin in the world? Because God gives us a choice. He loves us enough to give us a choice. He loves me enough to give me a choice. He doesn't want me to choose the wrong way. He doesn't want me to choose you know, to live a life of sin. He wants me to choose him. Yes. He wants me to believe in him. But he understands. He gives me the choice that I can say yes or I can say no. And he gives me the, the he gives me the ability, the right to do that. You know, and man, I, I'm so grateful that I've chosen to believe in him. Because the other way stinks. I mean, there's no there's no options. There's no there's no salvation there. There's no safety there. We're on our own there. Here I've got all of these things you just read, and I've got I've got the mark of the Spirit on me. That's what he said. I'm marked in the, with the Holy Spirit of promise. He says, a de, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. I have the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing my inheritance. Absolutely. All I have to do is stay faithful to him. I just stay faithful to him. Like Joseph, I can use Joseph, Joseph as an example. Well, and let's, and let's clarify because we talk about staying faithful. Being Staying faithful is not about being perfect. No, of course not. That, that's not what staying well, faithful is. Well, we already means. messed that up, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Staying faithful means that you believe in the promises of God, yeah. that you hope for them, that yeah. you look forward to them, that you trust in him. Yeah. And that's a growing process. Abraham was was the father of faith, and we've already looked at his story. And I would, if you, if you were asking me, what should we call, should this guy be the father of faith? <laughs> you know, are you kidding me? Yeah. Nine times out of ten, he wasn't faithful. Yeah. But he was. He was faithful. Yeah. Because God doesn't look at doubt the way we look at doubt. God no. looks at, at us in the growing process, through the growing process. How many times so have you doubted after you committed a sin? I mean, I mean, and a sin, maybe egregious, maybe you said something to your kids or done something or watched something, whatever it was. And you think, man, it, it wouldn't surprise me that God just doesn't love me anymore. Oh, man. I mean, I think it's very natural, you know. There have been plenty the of times. Grief. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, there are plenty of times. That I, I've committed some sin, realized that I committed that sin, or realized, you know, fit of rage, and planned to do it, whatever. and did it anyway. You know, so looking back at it, it it's it's a reminder of just how good His grace is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it helps also to dissuade you from getting to a point where you think, you know, I'm God's gift to the world. You know, it's so easy to to get into that mindset. You know, oh well, God would, God, I I'm I'm good enough for it, but this person over here isn't. Um, I'm preaching, I'll be preaching through the gospel of Mark for the next few weeks. And that's something we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about that dynamic, that exact dynamic uh, pretty soon here. And man, so it's a, it's amazing to me, man. You know, I want everybody to know about it. Yeah, I, I want everybody to know about it. You know, 
uh, about how how wonderful it is to be in a right relationship with God. Absolutely. Because and that it's available. Answer, and it's available no matter what you've done. I, know. I think that's the, that's the most profound thing mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. is God looked at us and he, and he loved us so much that he said, I know you are horrible and I'm going to fix it. Yeah. I mean, that's it's it's amazing. And it's not because I'm awesome or you're awesome or anything no. like that. It's because God is awesome. And he gives us little he gives us little hints like Joseph and Judah and Abraham. There's little hints there. Here, let me show Absolutely. you. I'll show you a little. I'll show you little bits of pieces of it until you until you experience it, guys. Mm. You have no idea what we're talking about until you experience. You know, we had somebody that we baptized the other day. And what did, when the yep. first time we met with him, mm-hmm. what did he say? This is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. Because he said, it's like a weight's been lifted off of me. Mm-hmm. You know, we've studied with him for a long time. And, and you know, and he and here he is, man. You know, saying, God, that can be, I can't believe it. That this that life is so good. And it's available. It is. It's, it's, it's available, available and it's open no yep. matter what it you've is. done. It Look, is. you're not too bad for church. There's, this is not the way it works. No. You need church because you're bad, because I'm bad. Well, it's like I always say, this church here, we're a hospital. That's right. We're just in one state of recovery or another. You know, just like any other hospital, there's people here that are sick and dying, and there are people here that are getting better, mm-hmm. and there are people, and everybody in the hospital, we're, you know, the, the great physician is trying to get them better. You know, that's just what we are. It's a hospital. You know, and, we, and we're striving to, to, uh, to find cures for certain things in our life. We know what the cure is, and we're striving to let the let the great physician fix us That's right. at this place. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this text. Thank you for the for the power of it and for the power of the example of what we've seen from, from these people, from Joseph and from Judah and from this family and from all of them. Thank you, Father, for, for saving Jude, Joseph, for getting him to this place where where he could uh, he could reintroduce himself to his family. It's going to be an awesome to watch his father's reaction as we get closer, as we get later down. Thank you, Father, for, for what we've learned. Help us, Father, all of us, to realize that, that you have made, a, made it a way to eliminate sin in our lives. Thank you for that, Father. You did it through your son. You did it through his, his willingness to take our place and to save us and sacrifice himself. Thank you, Father, for that. Bless us as we move forward. Help us to share that message with a lost and dying world. And it's in the name of your holy son we pray. Amen. Amen.